0: Hello, and welcome to episode 108, Take Charge of Your Life, Five Master Keys to Live in Happiness. You know, everyone wants to be happy, healthy, and successful in life. But where do we find the guide to having this as our living reality? You know, do we have to go out and search for guidance? Or do we have those potentials already within ourselves? In today's episode, I'd like to discuss five actions to live successfully in the world, meaning that to live successfully, we don't have the disturbances and distractions that cause us to be fearful, fatigued, frustrated, basically unhappy. And I'd like to talk to you because I receive these messages from the masters that I've trained with, and I'd like to share them with you today. You know, if we inquire and pay attention in life, we can see that it's divided into two aspects or two subsets one is a life where we're in touch with our thoughts feelings and sentiments our internal life who we are and then there's the external life and that's our relationships our actions in the outside world how we interact with our jobs our families and everything external to us both have their purpose and are of equal importance of course and no matter what, we can't ignore our external life if we have a body, breath, and mind. In fact, if we've taken on a body and we're you know, breathing and walking around, we need to pay attention to our external life because we still have to eat, sleep, and breathe, and take care of our body, and we all know that to function in the world. So life in the external world is as important as our life in the internal world. Just currently, we're spending more time externally and not enough time internally. You know, as a master once said, even one who has renounced the world has to understand the world. And even one who has renounced the world has to understand what a relationship means, what the proper definition of relationship is, because life itself is actually a relationship. You know, the body's related to the breath. The breath is related to the mind. The body, breath, senses, and mind all function together as a unit. Everything is a relationship. So life virtually means relationship. And when we look at that, the art of living and being requires that we have an understanding of our relationship to the external world, to ourself and our, all, all our relationships. So in other words, internal and external, all of it is based on relationship. We know that all human beings have inner potentials. Uh, many of us, are not aware of the full spectrum of what these potentials are. And if we are, we don't know how to use them skillfully in a manner which will benefit our lives. You know, it's well known that those who are not happy on the inside could never be happy on the outside and cannot, this is not where you could say, Hey, I'm going to fake it till I make it because people who are really connected to themselves on the inside can see through this we can only make others happy or love others when we've learned to be happy and love ourselves and that's the truth you know our success and fulfillment in life lies in our happiness you know you've heard me say focus creates happiness and in our resilience training and all the other trainings we emphasize this because i'm able to back that by research so it's not something that's just fluff that i'm talking about here So we can also say that the keys to happiness lie within us but our modern life and culture doesn't teach us how to find them. You know, it's useful to have a few formulas to practice in daily life to make it more successful. I've not created these formulas, they are derived from the master that introduced me to yoga science and they're based on his observation which were based on his experience. Again, it's not the mind that's coming with this. It's the full engagement of life and practice and experience where these great masters and rishis come forward with what they teach. So these are the five points he emphasized uh, to re- to attain success in life. And he taught that we should really learn and apply these five points. So I'm gonna read them to you. Um, I have them down on a paper right now. And then what we'll do is we'll go over them, and I'll give you one at a time. The first one is how to decide things on time. Second is how to study personal habit patterns. The third is how to conduct ourselves in the external world. Fourth is what attitude to take in the world so that we're happy. And the fifth is where to find happiness. So let's discuss now one at a time. The first one was deciding things on time. And the first point to understand is the philosophy and science of decision, how to make decisions on time. You know, the most successful person is a person who knows how to decide on time. You know, there are many extraordinarily brilliant people who understand things very quickly. And when the time comes to make a decision, when that opportunity arises, they withdraw and they're not able to act. They don't know how to decide. In fact, they know they should learn to decide on time, but they just don't do it. And they always say, well, I knew it, I understood that, I understood the key, but I didn't act on time. And then, you know, they may think correctly and accurately and understand the situation properly, but they lose confidence. So losing the confidence is what makes them not to decide, they're not able to step forward. You know, this is a world of competition It is. I mean the world is based on that. Someone else is trying to attain the same things that we are. So if we don't decide on time, someone else will attain what we want. That doesn't make them a bad person. It just means they've stepped forward and they made a decision and move forward. You know, time is valuable in the external world. And if we have any kind of uh, plant, many of you have had plants, say bamboo and the young bamboo sprout is going to be very flexible, very easily bent, supple, but as it gets older, it becomes mature, and you don't bend that big stalk very easily. so what we want what I'm telling you this for is we can't postpone because things change, and when they change, we can't go back to what it was, so we have to keep moving forward and then we also have to think not to make decisions in haste, of course, not decisions fast, but I think many of you know what I mean when I say, uh, or maybe all of you do, we just really need to make decisions in a timely manner. I know for myself, that has been something that I had to work on. You know, we may have a setback if we make a wrong decision, but our mistakes teach us and we all know that too. You know, how many times have we made a decision and said, ah, I shouldn't have done that, but that's okay. I think almost moving forward in my opinion, is better than not moving forward at all and just keep, you know, circling the same ideas that keeps you kind of stuck in the mud. You know, many people avoid making decisions their whole lives. So that decisive faculty of mind, many of you have studied with me in the resilience training when I talked about the faculties of mind, The decision making, the booty is one of the uh, faculties that really needs to be, it's that faculty of discrimination. It needs to be tended to, otherwise we become rusty and it dies, it dies on us and we don't have the ability to make decisions anymore. And then these are the people, if you know anyone, uh, these are the people that have to become dependent on others and I say they have to, it's because they've created that for themselves. They need others to make their decisions. We've all seen it. I know I've reached out. How many of you have reached out and said, ask somebody to help with a decision? Now, it's one thing to bring things up to people, but you finally have to make that decision for yourself. You know, when we study the four functions of mind, uh, where I talk about the buddhi, the faculty of decisiveness, the ego, the principle of our identity. Remember the chitta, the storehouse of our impressions. And of course, our modest mind, which is the importer and exporter of sensations and experience. That's where all the thinking comes in play. You know, when we learn this and learn how to really move through this, again, being trained properly on how to really recognize this and work with this, then we become aware of the proper, you know, the power of our own will. You know, willpower is that something that's within us that comes forward and says, do this, I will be helpful for you. So training the internal functions, and we do that through meditation training, our resilience training, uh, breathing practices. Again, human to human contact with training ourselves helps us to understand the decisive faculty of the mind. Without, we can't be successful without that. You know, my teacher said something, and I'm going to quote and unquote it uh, so that it's not my writing on this. We should understand our capacities and potentials, and then we should express ourselves in the external world with full confidence, acting without any reservations. You know, there are three steps in performing the action is first forming the opinion within ourselves of what we want to do for that action, expressing our opinion to others and executing our opinions in action. And when I put together any of the healing modalities or the courses, I always say, uh, recognize what it is and then restore function and then take action in the world. And it's just more of a, a gentler way or more of a concise way using the language of a Western mind to bring this principle across. The second is understanding habit patterns. That's the second uh, the second that I talked about in the five points where we want to attain success in life. So the first was deciding on time. And then the next is understanding our habit patterns. Now, I've really drowned in this, right? Habits, habits, habits. We have to learn certain habits to, or learn them so that we can create new grooves in our own mind. And the only way that we do this you know the, to learn in life and i know the learning that i've done in life yes i've had great masters work with me in life but i've also done self study with the knowledge that i've received it's not one to just get something in a class we must perform self study and my next podcast will be on becoming the yoga scientist because that's really a scientist is one who does study, but when we apply it to the self, we become it becomes self-study. You know, we should learn to study ourselves. And if we really want to understand ourselves, we can analyze our own personality by understanding our habit patterns. Habits are wonderful because they really talk about where we are. And it's not difficult. We should simply try to consciously aware of every action you know and I say consciously aware, living in the moment to remain calm awareness is really the root of everything for change even to heal nourish and transform your whole being it's being aware and when we are aware of every action that's what people term mindfulness right we realize that our actions are virtually all our thoughts right without thought there can be no action Habit patterns and thoughts are revealed through our behavior. We can see that and there's a whole branch of psychology be called, you know, behaviorism and it's based on that concept. But we have to really understand our external behavior and but that alone is not going to reveal everything about a person, by the way. You know, we can see many people can say cry. Is it crying from happiness, crying from sadness? you know, we don't know that. And that's what I mean by the external behavior. We need to go a little bit beyond that and get into the internal. What is the cause of all these issues that we do have or all the habits of whether crying, laughing, getting angry, What's what internal states, uh, do we have? And that can't be understand through behavior analysis alone, just to keep that in mind. You know, behaviorism is great, but that's external. We really need to know what's happening on the inside. So by knowing, by our self-study, knowing our habit patterns, we can analyze and understand our own personality. And for those that might be new to this, what is personality? Well, personality comes from the root persona, which means mask. Our personality is a mask that we wear. And some say, I think it's the Jesuits that say, give me a child for the first five or seven years and I'll tell you, I'll give you what he's going to be in his life. And what that means is uh, they literally trained uh, young, I suppose, young young uh, people. But during those, those years, we developed those masks in order to uh, really uh, work with our you know what to wear out in the world, you know we want to express ourselves in the outside world, so our personality is a character, and that character is composed of our certain habits that we've developed, and we have numerous habits, and there many of them are programmed early in life, but that doesn't mean you're stuck; it just means that you have habits that you can identify and then work with new habits. Remember, a habit pattern is a conscious thought or action that it repeats again and again and again. And this creates a groove in the unconscious mind and forms an unconscious habit. So unconscious habits are stronger than our conscious habits and all those habits are actually self-created. So when we sit down and try to understand which of our habits control our life, we see that there are many deep-rooted habits. And we do this through meditation and the trainings of when we train our mind. And we do that through meditation and we're able to study ourselves you know, the master used to say, you know, meditation is, introduces you to yourself. The greatest teacher will introduce you to yourself. And that teacher is within yourself. So we should also learn to carry out our intentions. So we're talking about habits, but we also wanna learn to carry out our intentions. You know, many people have good intentions. They do something, you know, kind for their neighbors. And then they think about it all the time. But these thoughts are, you know, they wanna do something for their neighbor, let's say, um, and they just, the habit's not executed. So we have to allow our these intentions that we have to be executed out with what we wanna do. And if they're not executed, they we usually become sad or miserable. You know, once we decide that we wanna get up in the morning and do our meditation, that's an intention. Don't say it if you're not gonna do it because then you become unhappy and you actually weaken the will. And it's not good to say anything that you know you can't do. Only speak what you can do. And that was once given to me very young as a child. Only say what you can do. Otherwise, you're going to disturb the mind. We create misery for ourselves when we don't bring our good thoughts out into action. And there was a French writer that explained uh, the concept and said all good thoughts that are not brought into action are either treachery or abortion. We've either aborted it or we've committed a crime against our own wisdom. So good thoughts are those that help others and help us also. But thoughts that are not so good are those that obstruct our progress and create barriers for others. We don't want to be doing that. We don't want to put an obstacle in our own path and we don't want to create barriers for others so just keep in mind that deep-seated habits can keep us from doing what we want to do and knowing even if it's good for us and you know with the new year coming forward very soon you know people are going to start thinking That's what people do think about change and change is in the horizon right now so let's let's become very uh, strong about this and get some of these deep rooted habits that may be obstructing what we want to achieve in life to be really happy. Let's root them up and move forward and connect with others of like mind so that you can be that force of change, that positive force of change, not negative, but positive force of change. You know, there's an English law when someone was punished, uh, the person was told, we're not punishing you for yourself, we're punishing you for your bad habits. So see, we can see that there's a difference between bad habits and good habits and that doesn't mean it's affecting you how I started this that light that's within you and I'll end with that by speaking about that later but keep that in mind our habits really we could wear the mask of our habits our persona our personality in the world and they can be changed and they just need to be changed with some awareness So the third is, how do we conduct ourselves in the external world? Well, it's always been said, and I'm not going to get too deeply involved with this, controlling our primitive urges, our primitive fountains. Our habit patterns are very strong motivations we know in life, and we can't ignore them. And we don't need to be creating a defense mechanism and, you know, think others have it. Well, I'm just human, and that's why I did it. No, we don't need to be talking about that way. But there are a few basic habits that arise from the four fountains that I just, the the primitive fountains or the primitive urges. And the reason why they're called primitive is they're really deep rooted in our psyche because they're in the animal kingdom. But we, unlike the animals that are in nature, we're still in nature. Well, some people are in nature, others are uh, learning to not do that, but we have food, sex, sleep, and self-preservation. And when we understand these primitive fountains, um, and understand that our habit patterns branch up from these and are sprouted from the fountain, then we can learn to change them and transform our personality. So, I didn't want to just say we have to work with our personality. I want to show you how to really do that. We know that food is the first basic urge. And, you know, people overeat when they're undersexed, people are oversexed, they don't eat as much. All of these go hand in hand. We know that food goes through the body and then affects the mind and sex originates in the mind and then is expressed through the body. And if our mind is balanced and we have the emotional maturity, then we can deal competently with our the urge for procreation or sex or any of that. So we wanna keep in mind that we do need to have a nutritious diet and we need to pay attention to why we're eating or why we're not eating. And paying attention to that is a whole practice in and of itself. And then we have to learn to work with, you know, the, our mind field dealing with sex and, you know, the body can't handle this rush and this uh, flood of energy in the mind and, You know, I wrote the book Sexual Radiance way back when and all the interviews I did and all the trainings I did, and I really come to find that almost no one is sexually happy because to have a balanced sex life, we have to understand that a calm, tranquil mind is necessary, and people are involved in the sexual relationships with you know, nervous energy, nervous tension, because their body cannot handle that energy field. So if we start going to the energy field and seeing what that is, you can actually take that sexual energy and become a creative genius because that's, it's the same kind of energy of creation. One is just at a lower center and one is just at a higher center. It doesn't mean sex is bad. It just means that we need to be able to collect and contain that energy and utilize it in a controlled fashion. Sleep is another primitive fountain, and we consider ourselves to be extremely knowledgeable and highly advanced people, but we don't know anything about how to sleep. You know, it's very important to understand the anatomy of sleep, and if you want to go to sleep right now, You probably couldn't do it because you need certain accommodations, light, etc. But the yogis are able to just lay down spontaneously and be totally aware of their sleep at the exact moment they want to go to sleep. And that's pretty amazing. And, you know, there are many people out there calling it yoga nidra. But the thing is, it's a practice that requires a total commitment and perhaps a lifetime to achieve it maybe perhaps 12 years of steady training may give you a glimpse of that or may give you full completion of that i don't know but it's not something that's that easy to accomplish to be conscious when we're asleep it's possible but you know that deep sleep uh and not knowing what's going on around us uh would take a little bit of training and it it has been evaluated in laboratory conditions that there are people that can do that great masters because yogis know these methods and they've demonstrated them scientifically and people don't need as much sleep uh, as much as we're in the habit of doing we go to sleep you know that deep sleep is for about two hours and we wake we can awaken totally refreshed if we're trained to do that and as i said science has observed that And the fourth fountain is self-preservation and fear comes from the urge for self-preservation. And when fears are deepened, they create what we call phobias. So people are always trying to protect themselves. They're always afraid. It's good to protect ourselves from the physical world, but not good to protect ourselves from our mental world. That becomes dangerous. So we have to learn to face what comes up and our inner fears and understand why we're afraid. You know, as humans, we're always trying to avoid unpleasant things and never really examine our fears. That's why, you know, we have so many because they just keep building up because we don't examine them. And most of them are imaginary, if not all are imaginary because they're not valid, you know. If somebody doesn't come home, say you have somebody coming to your house, they don't come. What's the first thought that comes in your mind? Is it a positive one? Oh, maybe they stopped because they won a lottery ticket. Or do we think, oh my gosh, something awful has happened. Hopefully they're not in an accident. You know, we don't know. We always go though, I don't wanna say we always go, but the tendency of the mind is to go towards the negative. Oh, so-and-so didn't call me back. I hope I didn't hurt their feelings or I hope they're not mad at me. Never, oh wow, they probably got busy. So I know I've seen in myself the negativity come forward because of fear and that's all imaginary. It's self-created and it makes us totally, totally miserable. And then we also have, and I'll just quickly say this, you know, even when we're in love, when we first fall in love or when we've been in love, we're afraid maybe our partner will leave us. It depends on what your training is and what you've seen in your childhood. And, you know, we we're always afraid of someone's going to fall out of love and not love us. We must first learn, of course, always to love ourselves. And again, that comes from training early on, but we can do it now. It's not too late because fear is extremely dangerous and they're all self-created learning to live free from our fears arise you know those fears arise from the self-preservation so if we know that uh, we can actually dispel that fear so what attitude do we need to take for our life in the external world and how can we live successfully in the external world It's very difficult to live in the external world and to put up with it, and we know that to deal with the whims of many people and to please everyone. So it's helpful to have a few principles to apply in the various situations and circumstances that we find ourselves involved in, and that's what we need to be successful. You know, we waste a lot of time and energy, um, you know, thinking and spending time on what others are thinking, what others are doing, and even not enjoying where we are. How many of us have gone to most beautiful places and we're carrying our family issues with us, we're carrying our job issues, or marital issues with us, instead of enjoying the beautiful surroundings of where we are? You know, all things are momentarily, everything's changing, so nothing outside is going to make us happy. And, you know, you don't have to renounce the world and that's not the way to go either. But we can live in the world and learn to use things of the world as our means. And it was St. Bernard that said, learn to use the things of the world, but love God alone. Loving God can mean a lot to different people. God is within us. And we need to love ourselves and that light within our own self. And then we could broadcast that into the world. And that's loving our responsibilities and discharging our duties, doing our duties with a lovingly manner without attachment. The whole idea and the grand finale is to be able to serve the world and serve others, but that's only after we've connected to that uh, center within ourselves, that light within ourselves. And, you know, I've spoken to many people who think that when I say, you know, don't attach yourself to people or things, they think I'm saying don't love others. But love is different from attachment. And if we love, remember I did the, some of you who have taken the class with emotional alignment, I talk about that and I say, when we learn to love, we learn to give away. We do everything with nothing, expecting nothing in return. We're not attached. And I always use the example of taking care of a baby, you know, we don't expect something in return and that's what pure love is. In attachment, we expect all the time and we're never fulfilled and we become miserable. So we have to have the attitude, there is not one single thing in the world that is really ours. And we can have things, we can learn and love things, but we can't possess things. And when we have that, we have total happiness. We have to learn to understand that needs and necessities are different from our wants and desires. You know, I'm not saying don't enjoy the objects of the world, but don't collect what you don't need for your, you know, feeling and insecurity. You know, in studying the lives of great people, this is not me that created this. Uh, This is something I found in my research. They share one trait and it's made them successful. They don't take what they don't need. And that's really important. If you don't need something, just don't take it. And it's important to really look at that also. So what should our attitude in the world be? It should mean that relationships and all the things of the world are a means for us to really find total enlightenment within ourselves. You know, the world has never given anyone enlightenment. But at the same time, it's impossible to get enlightened if we don't live in the world and you know, it's like helplessness, right? The world doesn't give us enlightenment and yet we do have to live in the world. Therefore, we have to understand the world as a means of enlightenment. And to do that, we have to first have the attitude that, you know, we can't allow the world and everything on the outside to disturb us, right? So we're gonna remain calm and we can have an attitude that you can use the world to help you gain enlightenment. And what do we do? I remember I told you uh, with my friend and um, uh, person who works with me on all these podcasts and everything, uh, he always used to say, George, he used to always say, It's an amazing experience. And if we do that with everything you've heard me say, it's an amazing experience, then we don't let things disturb us, but we can use it as our barometer to see how strong our mind really is. So both attitudes need to be applied if we wanna be happy. So your first is to have the attitude, no matter what happens, you won't be disturbed. Uh, Otherwise, when you get something, you're gonna have that emotional imbalance. And when you don't get something, you're gonna be depressed. So, We want to just keep that in mind and when your attitude towards the external world is that all things are a means and not a disturbance then you will really find happiness and i remember it once said uh, by uh, one of the teachers said if happiness was external americans would have it right because we have many things and we're not happy many people are very nice to others but they're not nice to themselves you know, so, you know, we have a mechanical way sometimes of creating in our relationships, but that's not real happiness. Happiness is not attained through objects, through the external world. It lies within you. And we all have to learn to use all these things and apply them to attain our happiness. You know, the inner happiness is a dormant form inside of you. And when you unfold yourself and experience it, and when you're still, that's when it happens. And that's where meditation comes in when we're still you know remember there used to be a saying in the bible i believe be still and know that i'm god and you know it comes from whether it's in the jewish tradition the christian muslim everyone has in all the other religions they all know being still it's a great aphorism be still and know that i'm god and every human being should learn to be quiet and calm and to see that light in others. And then we could, you know, we detach from the external part and we attach to the loving part of ourselves. We get inside of ourselves. And if we think of our body as that container for light, that light of existence, and some call this God and some call it by other names, either way, there exists a place in you that is light. And we just need to take that lampshade off, which is all our beliefs, our likes and dislikes. And step into it. And I had mentioned that. Oh, it had to be when I twenty, thirty years ago. I used to say to people, "Take the lampshade off, step into light." And when you recognize this, you return to radiance. That's that luminous vitality that dwells within you. And that's the secret to take charge of your own happiness. So this will be. We're going to be taking a couple of weeks off to get ready for the new year. We're going to be coming out with some new. Uh, materials and new commentaries on YouTube, where George and I will be discussing uh, these podcasts and the questions that are coming in and building the community, because we are getting a lot of questions and a lot of great things happening. And uh, that'll be coming in 2020. So until next time, I'd like you to do your research. Please incorporate, engage in meditation. If you want to give a gift to someone for Christmas, give them a meditation course, either one of ours online, Uh, the master course is great for beginners, or you can see something locally that you may have a teacher that you enjoy, but give them something that's going to be really useful, that's going to help them create their own happiness. So do your research. And if there's someone you know that may really, you know, want something or find this material that I just presented uh, useful, please share it. That's how we could serve humanity as a whole, by sending a link to someone, by sharing thoughts with someone, and by getting them involved so that they can benefit also. And that brings us to the end of this episode. And know that the Susan Taylor Podcast does come out every week, and it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And again, join me for the commentary or behind the scenes in 2020 for all the episodes on YouTube. And I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to be here writing and I'm going to be recording. So I'm available for anyone during the next couple of weeks to serve whatever you might need, what's happening in your life. And I'm always here for you. And thanks again for listening. Happy holidays to everyone. And until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.